Hello and welcome to X-Tumblr Girls, the podcast hosted by two X-Tumblr girls turned modern Tumblr women. I'm your host, Tori. I'm your host, Carly. Let's talk about Tumblr. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I made the mistake. Okay. Well, I don't know if it's a mistake yet, but I'm drinking kombucha and I'm a little bit worried I'm going to be really burpy this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have to do some editing in case I'm really burpy. <laughs> you know, that is a-okay. I added a lot of things out of our episodes with the the beautiful tool that is named Generate Silence, <laughs> where <laughs> I... God select an area and then I silence it and it's I silence me talking over you (laughs) (laughs) I I need that in my life a generate silence button (laughs) anytime you're talking to a man just (laughs) control select generate silence (laughs) please um then again it's like when I enter a room full of new people generate silence (laughs) yeah when I'm overstimulated generate silence (laughs) I'd be generating silence. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Dude, I literally do nothing these days other than think about K-pop, which is how we've ended up in this episode. <laughs> um, Because though I said, let's talk about Tumblr, I have actually managed to relate not a single one of these points back to Tumblr. We will not be talking about Tumblr today. That's okay. Um, I mean, maybe it'll come up a few times in my experience of how I uh, indulge K-pop content. Um, But literally, like, the last few weeks since we recorded, I've been doing a whole lot of sitting on my couch and watching K-pop videos um, because that's the era I'm in. Yeah, I'm I'm still in my K-pop era. I feel like I've I've definitely found some balance. I have not. Um, (laughs) Okay. I've been listening. I've I think I listened to a man for the first time in like months the other day. And it, it was a band, so a just band. pushing it. The Strokes, which is like okay. such an, you know, classic indie band. And yeah. I was actually surprised when they came up on like the radio that I was listening to. I was like, well, they've got to be problematic in some way. Like, I was convinced that they were, like, sexual predators. I don't think they are. They're not. They don't. I think the only thing is that, like, the lead singer said the R slur once, like, several years ago. Like, compared to most indie bands, that is, like, they're angels in my eyes. I know. I mean, I think the, like, 2010s New York grunge scene Actually, most bands have made it out pretty unscathed. I don't feel like I ever... Well, I don't know if they're from New York. I just associate them with that scene. I don't think Arctic Monkeys has done anything problematic that I'm aware of. I don't think The Strokes. I don't don't think Vampire (laughs) Weekend has done anything problematic that I'm aware of. I don't know. I can't speak to any of them. I think like the indie grunge era actually maybe was like when the tide started to turn of like rock stars not being horrid, horrid people. Just like... Yeah, kind of bad because they're men. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's progress. I have been listening to oh my god, I'm gonna butcher her name. Chappelle Rowan is that what? How Chapel you say Rowan. It? Chapel Rowan. I've been listening to her new album, which is I really good. Fucking love this album. I also I was gonna say the only thing that breaks up my K-pop listening is Chapel Rowan right now. I yeah. my 2024 playlist where I've decided to forego my months and seasonal playlist. I'm just gonna make a big one for the whole year. 
um, and just add to it constantly and then start hitting skip after a week when I get sick of the song. Um, It's like half of uh, Midwest Princess, whatever that full album title is, The Rise and Fall of a Midwest Princess, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, It's like I oscillate between Bouncy by 80s and Pink Pony Club by Chapel (laughs) Roan and then like You Could Start a Cult by Niall Horan. (laughs) You're a woman of many tastes. I actually am these days, in fact. (laughs) I always used to say like when people be like, what kind of music do you like? And I'd be like, oh, I really like pop punk and like, I guess like that's kind of it. And now when people ask what music I'm into, I'm like, I like indie I like K-pop. <laughs> I like these three specific artists. <laughs> like that's what it is for me. It's like Fiona Apple, Fiona Apple, New Jeans, and Hozier. Like ways Hozier. Well, I don't actually <laughs> listen to Hozier anymore. Like I haven't listened to Hozier in a while. But like if I look through like my most recent like songs, it's Mitski, <laughs> like <laughs> New Jeans, Red Velvet, and Fiona. <laughs> well, yeah, Fiona Apple. She's she's never going away. This is a genre of woman. These things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, if anybody asked me that, I'm just answering woman. Like that's my yeah. That's the music, what music I like. What music do you listen to? I listen to women. Actually, <laughs> try it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am very close to perfection in Stardew Valley, which is, it's, if you if you play Stardew Valley, you know that it's basically like all these. Like things you have to do, you have to make all the crafting recipes. You have to make, mm-hmm. like make all of the cooking recipes. You have to catch all the fish, and there's a bunch of there's a list. And I'm so so close. I just I have two more fish to catch, and I have to become friends with Pierre, who I hate. Um, <laughs> that's the only person I'm not friends the drama. with. Drama. <laughs> okay, there's actually a whole subreddit. Uh, it's called Fuck Pierre because he's fuck Pierre just. He's That's awful. So funny. Price gouges your fruits and vegetables that you sell to him. I love um, that there's a subreddit for everything. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm very excited to hit perfection because once I do that, I'm allowing myself to download mods. Because um, mm. the last save I have, I downloaded way too many mods and it broke. And now I can't use that save anymore. Um, so I'm very excited for that. What else am I doing? I'm baking. I made a two-tier carrot cake, which was a it lot was very harder. beautiful. It was a lot harder than a one-tier carrot cake. I'll say that. Yes. Um, I definitely, you know, I hope I just get better from here. I'm making. Oh, you will. I'm making blueberry crumb or coffee cake. No, blueberry coffee cake this week. Um, yeah. Baking is and unfortunately a science. It's not like cooking where you can measure with your heart because there's like chemical reactions that are required yeah. to make things rise and also taste correct at the same time. Yeah. Not as fun. I got a baking cookbook that explains all the science and mm. it has all, it has like the master recipes for like right. cookies, every type of cake and bread. Um, So I'm trying to go through that. It, the book, like author rep- recommends you go through it chronologically. Mm. So the first one is a sweet bread, which is what mm-hmm. I will make. Um, so I'm excited to see how that turns out. I The bread pan is like the only pan I actually have. Um, so it'll give me some time to like get everything that I need. Um, and I don't need to be like leveling any cake tiers yet, which 
I would like to put off for a little bit longer. I mean, I made a two-tier cake at Christmas, or a two-layer cake, rather, not tiered. Um, I made a two-layer cake at Christmas, and I sliced the dome off with a bread knife. I didn't get one of the fucking levelers. It's really not okay. necessary. You just eyeball it. And then yeah. because you put so much frosting between the layers to, like, hold the barrier. This is baking hour now, by the way. <laughs> um, because you put a buttercream barrier around the middle level where you put filling, it kind yeah. of it, it negates the amount of smoothness between the layers. Yeah. I had a very good time making that giant cake I made on Christmas. I don't beautiful. know how often I would dedicate two full days of my life to making buttercream fucking frosting again. <laughs> yeah. And I I mean, I think the reason why the leveling was so hard for me was because the cake texture wasn't completely right. Mm. So it was crumbling. Got and it, yeah. also when I took it out of the pan, it was already crumbling. Um, so did you let it, you know, cool live and you learn in the pan? I did. Um. No, I, and then I let it cool on a drying rack. So like it mm. cooled. It was just, I was also rushing it because I was scared. <laughs> like I was in fight or flight. <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm only going to get better from here. Yes. Baking is the hobby yeah. of the season. The only other thing I wrote down for chit chat was that I made homemade poutine. And it looked delicious. It was, I'm I'm going to say it, best poutine I've ever had. <gasps> best wow. poutine I've ever had. Where did you get the cheese curds? Wegmans. But they had oh. them at Aldi too. Mm. So like, I don't know if that's because around like right. where I live that there's, you know, that's like a more common item. But I feel like you'd probably be able to find them. Yeah, the gravy, probably. And it wasn't hard, really. It's really just like the fries and the gravy. And I have potatoes soaking in water right now. And I'm going to make more fries tonight for more <laughs> routine because I have so much leftover gravy. And it's like, it's actually a really good leftovers food because we just didn't make enough fries. But mm. I'm just going to make more fries and then have a bunch of poutine for myself for the, exactly. the rest of the week yes. a leftover but food that's is it. the best food i've just been eating basically i love that it's it's the winter season we know my philosophy of seasons it's the hibernation time which means it's a good time to cook yourself some hearty meals and yes. enjoy things slowly which baking is a lot of slow labor of love it is a very hard thing oh yeah to <laughs> um Something I did not dive into slowly in my life. <laughs> K-pop. That's my transition I've chose today. Um, my segue. Yeah. Today, uh, we are continuing the One of Us Teaches the Other series that we started last week. Um, Carly and I have been talking about doing this for a while where one of us you know, really deep dives into a topic or a fandom or a niche interest or a research thing that we like. And we bring all the information to the other person. And it's kind of just like our chance to gab and mm -hmm. just like really do what podcasting is all about, which is hyperfixate on a thing I know <laughs> yeah. a little bit too much about. Yeah. Um, so this week is my turn to go into K-pop, yeah. which I think has been coming up on the podcast probably since day one because when we walked through all the things that we were bloggers about chronologically I did mention that at 
some point in like 2018 ish, I had a K-pop blogging era on Tumblr. Um, mm -hmm. And that was at which point I hadn't really been using Tumblr so much in the, I think like latter year of high, the last year of high school, first year of college. Um, college is really when I stopped using Tumblr, like the majority of the time. I did get back into it to blog about BTS for a little while. And then I think at that point I was like, damn, Tumblr is really dead. This is like not that much fun. Yeah. Um, and I tried to get back onto Twitter and then K-pop Twitter was just a little overwhelming for me. <laughs> I have not, heard. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother talking about K-pop Twitter as part of this episode because I am scared of them. <laughs> K-pop Twitter the only thing I will say is that they are a very organized force when the fans all agree on what they want. Yeah. I They've done some, like, activist stuff. Yes. So uh, back in 2020, I guess, um, BTS fans uh, rigged a bunch of bots to sell out a Trump rally so that when he <laughs> showed up, the stadium was empty and that's pretty iconic <laughs> i know that's fucking amazing like sometimes they really do mobilize for good and i will say there are a lot of fandoms that do collective charity work um either like in their favorite idol's name or like toward a cause that the idol supports it we'll get into it k-pop twitter can be leveraged for good however sometimes <laughs> it's just really chaotic and sometimes it can be a little scary um, I'm not judging any individual member of K-pop Twitter. I think we all know that it exists. Yeah. I think it's like a, a mythical idea on the yeah. internet, K-pop stands. Um, I think people mostly think of BTS ARMY. I, I mean, the, they call themselves the ARMY. I will get into that is not why they are called the ARMY. I'll explain that later. Um, I have personally been into K-pop since about 2017, which is seven years ago now crazy fucking wild <laughs> um i will get into my own personal experience getting into k-pop where my knowledge of k-pop first came from how i was really inducted into the k-pop world and um my relationship to it now later but i wanted to start the episode you know a whole 15 minutes into recording um <laughs> with a dictionary that will aid the conciseness, the the ability to follow the threads will be a little bit clearer if we have a set of terms that we're familiar with going into. Oh. So this is for anyone who does not know kind of just like the most broad, simple terms that are associated with K-pop groups. Honestly, this dictionary, I've been working on it for a week and it's just been getting longer and longer mm -hmm. um, because the more... I've like thought about talking about K-pop to other people. I was like, oh, there's like a lot of words that like me and my friends who listen to K-pop use that are not terms yeah. in other music industries. So let's just get the basics out of the way and then things will come up, I am sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the most important definition in K-pop to know is an idol. That is what we call the singers in K-Pops. Yes. They are not singers. They're not musicians. They're idols. Because when you are turned into a K-Pop star, the goal is not to be a singer-songwriter. The goal is not to be, like, 
a genuine personality, especially like not when K-pop first started. The goal is to be a model of a kind of person that a fan might like. Mm-hmm. And I actually, um, another kind of interesting timing, another podcast I listened to called Sounds Like a Cult just did their cult of K-pop episode. And the journalist on that episode was talking about how um, the kind of point of an idol is to exemplify a type. So when you create a group, they have multiple types or like archetypes essentially that members fulfill. Um, and that makes the group attractive to a wide range mm-hmm. of people. So you have your idols who are members in a group or sometimes they're soloists. It's a little less common. Groups are really popular in K-pop. And I think that is what most people associate K-pop with is groups. Yeah. Um I literally have a fucking Stray Kids poster in the background (laughs) right now. Um, But there are definitely some soloists and sometimes soloists come from groups. Sometimes they join groups. Sometimes they do collaborations. Anyway, the way that um, an individual becomes an idol is through what is called the training process. So um, unlike in, say, kind of the, the American ideal of how you become a singer right is that you're self-made it's it's the taylor swift ideology of you're mm. uh, a kid who loves music who writes their own music who puts themselves out there who finds a way who you know begs producers to listen to them it's in america the idea of the music industry is that being self-made is the best way to be is like the thing to have the yeah. most pride in is being a pull yourself up by your bootstraps artist um even though we all know that Taylor Swift's rich ass parents moved her to Nashville and got her a connection with a producer pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> we can't anyway, get into it. <laughs> we can't get into it. Um, being self-made is really idolized here in the K-pop industry. That's not really important to anybody. Um, and in fact is really nothing to like write home about because it's so uncommon. Um, yeah. And once you become an idol, you're like, actual like personal history is sometimes like not really that important um I think it's becoming more so now but when k-pop first started it was definitely about like playing a character essentially on stage Mm -hmm. so you audition for a company or you are scouted by a company this is actually way more common than I think um people might assume is that Yes, tons of people audition to become idols and to get trainee positions, but sometimes entertainment groups will literally scout people off the street and be like, you're hot. Do you want to be an idol? That is what happened to one of the members of BTS. (laughs) He was on his way to a grad school class or a college class or something, and he got stopped by um, a recruiter and they were like, hey, you ever thought about K-pop? And he was like, fucking no. (laughs) And they were like, you should think about it. And now he is Jin of BTS. It's K-pop. He couldn't sing. He couldn't dance. They thought he was attractive, so they taught him to sing and dance. And then there's also, like, the shows, right? Like, the... Yes. There are elimination and competition shows. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, though, a lot of the people on elimination and competition shows are already trainees at a company or under a management. um, And their management signs them up for the shows. Um, as a way to get them a contract with a bigger company or placed in a group. Um, Sometimes management groups will have 
competitions of their own trainees that they already have. Um, that's a whole other process. But basically, when you become a trainee, you either essentially full-time work for the company or you live in dorms owned by the company and your whole life is training. So training includes learning how to sing, learning how to rap, learning how to dance. A lot of times they'll also teach them how to model, how to act. They'll teach them what they call like their charms. So like your thing that you bring to the performance is taught to you over the course of either many months or many years. Um, I think some idols I've heard of have been like trainees for like six months when they debuted. There are also idols in the industry who were trainees for 10 years before oh. they debuted. Because it depends how much work they have to do to get to like a good singing level and dancing it's level. It's sometimes that. It's also sometimes of you might be a really good trainee and you just don't fit in a group that the company is ready to debut. Um, or they'll prepare you with a group and then at the last minute say you're not debuting with them. Mm -hmm. um, so a debut is when a rookie group or a rookie idol, whatever, are officially announced to the public. Usually their name and like their positions and stuff are already available to local fans um, because they'll be announced as a rookie group. And they'll put out sometimes like one song or some dance videos um, to kind of gain excitement. But when you debut is when you put out your first song or your first album or your first music video and you become an official group. And now the goal is to succeed. <laughs> yeah. So after debut is when everything else happens. But it is interesting that a lot of fans will be able to tell you, oh, I've known about this group since before they debuted because they were trainees. And mm. the company is very public about their trainees a lot of the time because when that group debuts, they want them to have fans already. So yeah. for instance, like when BTS debuted in 2013, I think was the year, um, they already had a ton of fans because they'd been promoting online and trying to like gather support. Um, same with Stray Kids. There was like an elimination show for them. Uh, also, the elimination shows is another way to gain fans before you debut officially. Um, once you debut officially and you are in a group, I'm only going to talk about groups today. I'm really not familiar with almost any solo K-pop artists other than like mm. DPR, Ian, and Hyuna. Like I don't really listen to any solo singers. Um, so I'm almost exclusively going to talk about groups today. Some of the positions to know within a K-pop group that are very important are the rappers, the dancers, the vocals, all pretty self-explanatory, right? That's yeah. what they do in the group. And then there's the visual. The visual is the person in the group who's been assigned by the company the role of being the most attractive. <laughs> um, yeah. That's going to give you some sort of complex. <laughs> you, I don't know. I feel like the visuals are often very anxious. <laughs> interesting. But the visuals also, sometimes there's a connotation that they're the least talented singer or dancer. Is that... Okay. Like, sometimes the assumption is that they're just the pretty one. I don't think that's true, generally. I think many visuals are very talented. Um, and also, some groups don't have a visual. Some groups have a visual line. Um, a line being multiple members with the same position. So, okay. 
usually there's a rap line, a dance line, a vocal line. Yeah, then some of these groups get like giant. There's like, oh yeah, like nine of them. Wait, how many are in Stray Kids? Is it nine? Stray Kids is eight. It was nine when they first debuted. Seventeen has thirteen members, and NCT has like twenty five. I think. Oh my god, NCT is an anomaly though. That just keeps expanding because they have units, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> oh my god. Um, in the group, you can also have someone who's the center, which means that they are most often the center of the choreography. So, um, sometimes the visual will be the center. Sometimes the main vocal will be the center. A lot of times I think the leader is the center. Um, the leader tends to get like the most lines, the most stage time being the leader of the the visual. Yes. The leader is a person who is literally assigned to like lead the group. They are the person who will talk the most in interviews it's their responsibility to keep the other members in line, like to keep them up on their practice schedules and like reprimand them if they're like not being professional. And this person has a lot of responsibility put on them because in addition to all the management from the company overseeing the group, the leader is basically if the group fucks up, it's on the leader's shoulders because the leader should have been a better leader. But like, is that more of like an early K-pop thing or like, are there still leaders now? No, there's a leader I really in every group. I just um, don't really notice that, the, I guess. Some of the new fourth gen groups I have heard are not having leaders, but I think it's smaller groups also don't always have a leader. Like New Jeans doesn't have one, but New Jeans only debuted like a year ago and they officially have no positions in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, Like Stray Kids now technically has no positions in the group. JYP has like... I think on record said like everyone is doing everything like they're all dancers they're most of them are doing vocals like multiple of them are doing rap um that were not originally intended to be rappers but Chris is still the leader and like always will be um the only exception to the word leader in the industry that I'm aware of is 80s they call Hong Jun captain because their concept is pirates um so instead of being the leader he's the captain and if any of them call him leader instead of captain, they owe him 50,000 won. Interesting. Like any it's, of the members? Yeah. If they do, if they call him leader instead of captain, they owe him money. It's <laughs> funny. Um, and you're just- Pirates is to, a like, cool concept. That's so specific. <laughs> it's very cool. I love ATs. And then also I learned recently that sometimes people are given the position of lead performer, which just means that they're like in charge of having the best stage presence, I think. Um, (laughs) I only know of this because in 80s, San is not considered part of the dance line. He's considered the lead of performance. He gets the most dance breaks. So I don't understand. (laughs) Um, I'm going to run through the rest because I've been doing this dictionary for now 15 minutes. And I've gotten through two points. Um, We have a comeback. A comeback is when you have released a song or an album you have promoted that song and album all the way through. You took a short break and now you're doing another round of album or concept. Um, and that's called a comeback. So when you've finished promoting one thing and you're now starting to promote a new era of thing. Okay. Um, in K-pop, it's really common to have multiple comebacks per year. So whereas like an American band might put out an album every two years like I think it's really people get excited if a band puts out an album every year I think it's becoming more common because they need the money um Mm. they have to like keep touring and putting out albums 
But I would say like the general standard is that people put out albums every few years. Um, yeah. In K-pop, it is incredibly common to put out two to five albums a year. Yeah, that's crazy. And, like, They're hard at work. But they also, so, they don't really write their songs, at least not most of them. Yeah, most groups are not writing their own music. Um, There is also at every live show at every comeback stage a stage being a live performance you will have your fans with their light sticks light sticks it's just yes, a fun I've little term these. that i wanted to bring up um i actually have a light stick for a group that no longer presents but um you will wave your light sticks and do your fan chants fan chants are also unique to k-pop um fans do not come up with them which I think is the interesting thing here is that every um, like main song from an album or even like some of the the other singles will have fan chants. The company puts them together and then they make the members make a video teaching the fans the fan chant. And then when the song comes out and you see them live, you're expected to do the fan chant. So you don't just sing along the whole time. You sing along at the, the designated parts. And... Okay. Back in when I first got into K-pop, the standard for a fan chant was that at the beginning of the song, every song would have like two bars of intro music and you would chant all of the members' names in that time. Um, so in BTS, it was all of their names in age order. And then you would go Kim Namjoon, Kim Seokjin, Jung Jungkook, BTS. Like, and you would chant all their names. That's not, I haven't seen that in like recent years. I don't think it's as big of a thing. Okay. Um, And then some important fan terms is as a fan, well, every every group has their own fandom name. Um, So I'll run through a few of those. Um, For Stray Kids, which is my personal favorite group, um, their fans are called Stay. Um, It's Stray without the R and the slogan is that you make stray kids stay um for nct they're called uh and citizens it's spelled nctizens um for ats their fan are called ateeny which is a combination of ats and destiny because their fans are their destiny so they're their ateeny um blackpink's fans are called blinks which is literally just a fucking shortened version of blackpink for BTS, the fans are called the ARMY, which everybody knows, I think, yeah, at this point. Yeah, I knew that one. <laughs> but the interesting thing about ARMY is that, yes, it means that their fans defend them, but technically it is also an acronym. ARMY, as per their company in 2013 when they debuted, ARMY is short for Adorable Representative MC for Youth, which meant that their fans yeah. are like the representation of the amazing next generation. Okay. Now they're just an army. <laughs> yeah. Um, for Got Seven, they were called Agases. Um, but it was spelled I Got Seven. Um, so their fans, like some people say it the I Got Sevens, but it was stylized to say the Agases. Um, it literally meant you are got seven and I got I got you. I got seven. I'm an I'm an I got seven. Makes sense. <laughs> um, for the group EXO, which was like the biggest K-pop group, like globally before BTS, their fans are called XOLs, um, which I think the L stands for love. Um, for the group Icon, their fans were called Iconics. 
And then some of the ones I'm only aware of recently is that the group N hyphen, which is a really big boy group. Their bands are called Engines. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, the fans for Twice, the girl group Twice, their fans are called Once, which I think is so cute. Um, yeah, and their slogan cute. is, even if you only loved us once, we'd appreciate you. Um, I think that's very sweet. And then New Jeans' fans are called Bunnies um, because that's their like their symbol. So as a fan of a group, you will have usually what's called a bias, which means your favorite. Back in the One Direction days, we called this your lane. Mm-hmm. Um, you would say like to other fans, like stay in your lane. Like I'm a Harry, I'm a Harry fan. We didn't have the word stan back then either. Um, we didn't? In K-pop. No, I don't think we said stands back in like 2013. Mm-hmm. I would never say I'm a One Direction stan. Yeah, I guess not. Um, but that's, you'd be like a hairy girl. Yeah. Um, in K-pop, they're your bias. That's your favorite. Um, and sometimes in a group, you'll have a bias line. That is your own personal group of favorites from a group. And then if you're a multi-stan, which means you're a fan of many groups, which I think is normal in other places to be a fan of many bands, In K-pop, it is not unheard of to only like one group and to put all of your life and energy into that one group such that there is a word called multi-stan, which means that you are in multiple fandoms at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're a multi-stan, you will usually have an ult bias, which means they are your ultimate. Um, So like I have a bias in every group I listen to. My ult is Jisung from Stray Kids. He's my favorite of all favorites. And that has changed throughout the years. When I was only a BTS stan, J-Hope was my ult. He's not my ult okay. anymore. Um, okay. Now I'm going to move into, like, the K-pop industry. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> Some things to know about the industry. There are um, generations that are usually referred to in K-pop. And I think this is kind of a confusing thing. Um, it's It definitely wasn't always clear to me at first. But I did look up the actual years that each generation is considered. Mm-hmm. And the generations don't imply that a group is no longer promoting. It's just when they debuted. And there's kind of some divides on what groups from that generation were doing, like what their styles were and like what they were doing internationally. So first gen K-pop is considered 1996 to 2004. Um, And this is kind of just when K-pop industry got started. It was inspired by the J-pop industry in Japan. Mm -hmm. The second gen is considered 2005 to 2011. And I read that this is called the Korean wave um, or what they call Hallyu, um, Mm -hmm. which is when K-pop became popular outside of Korea predominantly in other Asian countries, particularly Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the third generation is 2012 to 2017. And that is the majority of groups that I listen to that I'm like really well-known um like well-versed in because third gen is when k-pop went fully worldwide and this I this is my personal take on this era is that this is a very hip-hop defined era um there's kind of like a, a breaking point around like 2015 into 2016 where they stopped doing like really hip-hop inspired k-pop and start doing really pop music and like bright colored concepts um but Mm -hmm. before that hip-hop was very a defining sound and this is the era in which bts debuts and then this is also the 
the generation in which Gangnam Style happens. Psy is not considered a third gen artist um, because he was making music before then. But Gangnam Style is like the first time Korean pop music went fully worldwide viral. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't actually even consider Psy K-pop when like you talk to them about K-pop. They don't think about Gangnam Style, but that really yeah. was like the first time Korean music was prominent in America, in the West mm-hmm. specifically. And 2017 is when I got into K-pop. Um, and that's also when the fourth gen starts is in it begins in 2018. 2017 is when BTS or 2018 is when BTS becomes popular in America. Um, and I think that's kind of what split the fourth gen, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth gen is just anyone debuting now. It is fully a worldwide industry at this point. Um, yeah. And fourth gen is ongoing. Don't know when it will end. There are also four major entertainment companies. Um, up until BTS, it was considered the big three, but now BTS's entertainment company is the biggest entertainment company in Korea, um, which is really wild. So before BTS, there was SM, JYP, and YG. These were considered the big three. Um, If you were a trainee at the big three, there was almost no doubt that should you debut, you would get famous because these are major companies with a ton of money to put into their Mm -hmm. trainees and into their idols and into their promotions. Um, But if you went to an indie company, it was like kind of less destined that you would get popular that your group would take off and that you would actually be able to afford to stay afloat um bts was started by an independent company called big hit that was literally started out of a garage in 2011 and has now been transformed into high b industries um they own big hit and several other companies um Mm. including I think their biggest merger was when they bought Pletus Entertainment, which was another like pretty well-known entertainment group that owns the group 17. Um, Hybe now owns BTS, Tomorrow X Together, 17, New Jeans, um, La Seraphim, and I think that's it. I think that's like all their major groups that they own. Yeah. But that's like a, a huge chunk of fourth gen yeah. K-pop. Do you think that that's because they're like more self-made than the other ones or at least started from I think a... I think it's just by nature of the fact that BTS happened the way it did. I don't really I don't really have an opinion on what was like so different about Big Hit. I guess maybe being self-made their fans were very committed to supporting them at the beginning yeah. BTS like because they literally came from a company with no money. Their fans, Mm. their pre-debut fans were very dedicated to, like, gifting them nice clothes and, like, sending them things and really showing out for them because they wanted them to be successful. And it worked. worked. (laughs) Um, I actually, I have a note on this later, but big hit, well, now high B, um, after BTS got really popular in 2018, the company had to stop accepting gifts for the members because I feel like I do remember them getting a lot of money. Fans were sending them gold bars. That's 
That's and crazy. like for their birthdays, like there was at one point I was just reading discourse about this this morning because I wanted to see what year it happened. And fans were like, yeah, nobody needs 13 iPhones for their birthday every year. And I was like, that is actually how the BTS fans were behaving back in 2018. Um, there's some who has that kind of money. I want to know. <laughs> According to Reddit, and I think that this is I don't know, like the total truth of this, but. I think from my knowledge, from other K-pop fans, from Reddit threads that I was reading, um, it's often associated a lot with very wealthy Chinese fans um, okay. where like fans who come from money and who are just super rich are the type that will like donate these big gifts because they want to be the favorite. Um, there's also fans and fan sites. Um, fan sites are like... Sometimes it's a single person who's a photographer who runs a website where they publish photos of just one idol, usually like not even a group. They are like a fan site for one single member. Um, but fan sites are also sometimes like community forums where uh, fans from a specific area or a specific country or um, for a specific member will plan events or promotions for their favorite idol. And these are the groups that will like pool money to send them birthday gifts um, but in 2018, I think it was for uh, Taeyong's birthday from BTS. He literally got like some like 50 plus Louis Vuitton gifts from fans. And the company was like, you have to fucking stop sending us shit. That's... So now they only accept letters. <laughs> oh my God. And it's not like they, like, I'm guessing the idols make a lot of money, especially BTS. So no, and this is something I'll get into okay. later in my K-pop industry section, but idols actually do not make a lot of money at all unless they are like a huge, huge group and often unless they are owned by one of these big four companies. Otherwise, it's very unlikely that in fact, some of them are making any money at all. That's um, crazy. But so, it's not, but like the big groups, like it's just not as much, not as much as U.S., like no US, the estimation please. is that like the average successful idol i i mean this is an average i read on reddit is that they're making probably like fifty thousand dollars a year wow. um usd however they are usually living in apartments owned by the company they're given all their clothes from stylists they're given tons of gifts from fans um yeah everything is taken care of by the company so they don't really need like they're not like paying rent <laughs> yeah. you know um and as for bts like even after bts got successful they all still chose to live together like they shared an apartment between the fucking yeah. seven of them <laughs> that's what all of the one direction bands wanted one direction to be like <laughs> so true i mean and they all ended up hating each other by the end in the trainee days i would say i mean i don't know of any k-pop group that weren't living together pre-debut or like um, post-debut and even with stray kids they're like super popular because or they're super successful and they're from jyp which is a huge huge entertainment group um the eight of them lived in one apartment together up until like two years ago well, and now they live in two apartments and they all have their <laughs> own bedroom which was like huge to them <laughs> my god um yeah. Well, I guess when they like put these groups together, like they they gotta make sure they get along at least. Well, they do everything together. And yeah. 
the training process, you know, not really the healthiest part of the industry. I wouldn't actually say there are many healthy parts to the industry at all. <laughs> um, but the training process is really brutal and it is not uncommon for idols to say like, oh yeah, there were weeks where I didn't sleep. Oh, good. Like, oh, good. Or, so it's a trauma bond, not yeah. actual definition of trauma bond. It's like they... Well, also, a lot of them are getting into training when they're in high school or even in middle school. So, like, they're living at these dorms, waking up super early to go to school, going to school, and then coming back to the training center at night, doing their training, and then going to sleep and doing it all over. So, they're getting, like, a couple hours of sleep a night. Um, I have a friend who had a friend that was a trainee, and he would text her on breaks and be like oh, we have 20 minutes break from dance practice i'm gonna try to sleep oh rough yeah yeah stronger than me i could never i would never <laughs> survive the k-pop <laughs> industry um like i said earlier idols are made not discovered not self-made sometimes they're scouted but an idol is considered an employee of the label and I actually I found this very interesting on a podcast I was listening to is that um, this journalist was saying that in America, it's often thought of that like your record label works for you. You know, like when you think of Halsey and her team, right? Yeah. Everyone's below her. She is the yeah. arbiter of the art. She owns it. Everybody works for her. That is not the way it works in K-pop. You work for the company. There are staff who manages you, but you are their employee. Yeah. Um, and this means that at least for the first several years, if not your entire identity in a group, you do not make decisions about what music you're putting out. You do not make decisions on what hair color you have, what concept you're doing, what style you're going for. The exception to this largely being Stray Kids, um, because they had mm -hmm. a really unique debut process and they write all of their own music. Cool. Actually, BTS was writing and producing most of their own music as well. Um, their leader, Namjoon, and um, their main rapper and producer, Yoongi, were writing and producing almost all of the music themselves. Um, but again, they came from such a small company that was kind of more like grassroots. At JYP, which owns Stray Kids, it was like unheard of. And the company was very averse to it at first. But now they are the most successful fourth gen group. So they kind of mm -hmm. get to do whatever they want. Yeah, fair enough. Um, because you're an employee of the company, this is one of the reasons that they don't actually make that much money because you are not the sole owner of your music if you own yeah. any part in it at all. <laughs> um, yeah. So I actually was reading today that in some cases, trainees actually pay to work for the company. <laughs> um, they pay for their training. Um, at I, I don't know how much truth this holds, because I was reading it on Reddit. So take this with a grain of salt. Um, but I, I do feel that people on Reddit probably actually know more K more about K-pop than I do, industry-wise. And they were referencing some, like, ex-idols who made, like, videos after they left the industry. Um, they were saying that apparently sometimes the first few years after your debut, you make no money because you're paying back your debt to the company for training oh you. God. You're like an indentured servant. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um, but... Idols who are making money get a cut of their record sales, I think. And then the main money they make is from concerts, merch, fan meets, and commercials. Commercials mm -hmm. are, like, really where they make their money. So, for instance, like, BTS is a Samsung ambassador. 
Um, and they did a really big Samsung commercial back in like 2019. They probably made like a fuck ton of money off that. But it's the it's the entertainment group that is actually making that money, and then they it's not like yes. the individuals have the partnerships. Idols. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes now, yes. Um, that's becoming more and more common. So like when BTS first went international i can't really speak to anything pre-bts because that's not my area of expertise um but like their bts members were becoming um like luxury brand ambassadors i think specifically of when um taeyong from bts whose stage name is v became a gucci ambassador because he was wearing gucci on stage so much that the company mm -hmm. was like oh we should make him an ambassador and then i think any work he did for them, he got paid for, like, personally. Like, but mm. they each have their own manager when they're in a group. Like, they have a group manager, but then each of them usually has, like, basically what's an agent that, like, okay. works out your schedule and your payments and all that shit. Um, but now being a luxury ambassador is, like, par for the course in K-pop. And I just saw, I don't know, was it, like, Aritzia has uh jisoo from blackpink in their newest campaign next to like fucking paul mezcal i was like what <laughs> is this i mean um oh i just saw that lisa from blackpink is gonna be on the white lotus next season. i also saw that good for her so she will make that money <laughs> that will be yeah. money um well that seems but, like that seems that seems crazy to me that she's getting into acting like it's but it's very common it's actually like a lot of idols will get into K-dramas while they're between promotions or they'll take a break from the group okay. um, to go do some solo work. Um, it just seems like they're so busy. Like, how do oh, they have time? Yeah. <laughs> they don't. Um, but sometimes, like, the group will have a hiatus where it's like the members are going to do some solo work or they're going to do unit promotions where, like, three of them are going to form a subunit and they're going to put out an album while one of them goes and acts in a drama and one of them goes and does the military for two years. <laughs> like um, they kind of, they do sometimes like off the path schedules. Um, but all of this is part of their contract is like the company can basically tell them to do whatever. Um, so if the yeah. company says, Hey, you should go be in a TV show. I don't, I don't know that they have the option to say no. <laughs> um. I know when I was listening to Got7, I think Jin Young from Got7 did some acting work while the group was still together. But this is when, like, they were toward the end of their contract. Um, and so they were putting out a little bit less music. This is also something that is relevant to talk about is part of the industry is the contracts. The contracts are intense in K-pop. So I know like a lot of American artists like wax poetic about how awful it is to be like be in a contract with Capitol Records or Island Records or Columbia Records and you know Taylor Swift is like reproducing her entire discography because of fucking Scooter Braun or whatever but in K-pop your contract literally for the first three years will say no dating Rough. because you have to be dedicated to the fans and they don't want being in a relationship to make the fans yeah. feel less connected to you so mm. There is, like, most contracts will have a dating ban in them for the first, like, two to three years. Years. Yeah. That's... And then after that, you have no time. So you're not in a relationship anyway. Yeah. Um, I I did want to ask about, like, the weird, like, group chats. I don't know. What... Oh, the fan chats. Yeah. So, yeah. I this don't is, get that. Um, 
So there's a couple different platforms it happens on. Um, one of them being, I think fans used to message a lot on Kakao Talk. Um, and also there used to be a really big live streaming platform called VLive, but VLive got shut down a couple years ago. Now they every, do everything through TikTok or Instagram or YouTube. But um, mm, some of the companies have their own messaging platforms where you can pay a monthly subscription fee to get basically text updates from each individual idol. Um, I think the most popular one is probably JYP's Bubble. Um, And there are like Twitter accounts, Tumblr accounts, all dedicated to like bubble updates where they will share what the idol is posting for the people who are not paying for it. Um, I don't personally pay for any, but I do have the bubble app on my phone. (laughs) Should I decide to start paying for it? Some idols are more active than others, but yeah, they send out text messages and you can reply, but they don't see the replies, but it comes to you as a one-to-one chat. So it looks like they're replying. That's like redefining parasocial relationships. And they want you to feel like you're having a true conversation with the idol. And like literally the other night I was seeing screenshots that Chris from Stray Kids was like staging a fake breakup over Bubble. He was like, you're breaking up with me. It's fine. I get it. You're seeing someone else. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. I'll come pick up my stuff tomorrow. Like he was just he was being unhinged on Bubble. Um, I think BTS would communicate through an app called Weverse. Um, and then- But all groups yeah, do it, basically? Most, I think. I think ATs has one. I don't know what it is. Um, I think it might be through their KQ management. Um, but yeah, they'll send out selfies or update. They try very hard to control their image. Yes. And speaking of image, this is my last <laughs> point about the kind of, um, the the inner workings of the industry. Um when you debut as a group or even per album, there's um, usually what's considered like your concept. Um, yes. So back in like first and second gen K-pop, I think the standard was kind of like, is your group cute or sexy? Like those are the two concepts you can be. And that was true of boy groups and girl groups is like, if you're a cute girl group, you're supposed to be like their older sister, like their best friend. And if you're a sexy girl group, it's like, Um, the popular girl that you want to be because I would say that most k-pop is marketed toward young women uh, predominantly as the fans even the girl groups they're not really trying to like assume male fans I have heard that there's one I don't know which girl group it is but there's one girl group that where most of the fans are actually men is it Luna and are they all gay (laughs) they probably are all gay because the gays love Luna (laughs) (laughs) It might be, I know, I just, I don't, I don't know who it is, but I have heard that there's some outliers where it's like kind of weirdly a male audience. I will say I had friends in college who would say I'm a girl group gay and I would say I'm a boy group bi um, (laughs) because the queers love K-pop, but I think gay men radiate toward uh, girl groups. Um, and I think Luna is probably the one if I had to guess. Okay. Stan Luna was like a phrase on the internet back in like 2015. Everything you looked at would say Stan Luna. (laughs) I don't Stan Luna personally. I don't listen to them. It's not that I dislike them. I just don't know shit about them. Um, 
some groups are also debuted like as dance groups like their focus is being good dancers not being good singers they are always good singers as well but their Mm. concept sometimes is more about dance than it is about um the actual like songs (laughs) Mm. um so for instance like got seven was put together as a dance focused group and they did like crazy choreography in their first days yeah i was i was watching a few of them it's like they do like acrobatics yes so this was very unique to got seven was that multiple of their members um were basically like trained gymnasts so mark from got seven um he did taekwondo i think like his whole life before he became a trainee and jackson from uh got seven was (laughs) he was um like training to become an olympic fencer because his mom is an olympian i think um so he was like raised super rich and like on track to go to the olympics and then decided to do k-pop instead (laughs) he's not even korean he's chinese um but yeah they had just like multiple members who are like trained in athletics and so they took that to their advantage and did like they would do flips and like all this crazy shit and that was like what they were known for and they were like the first k-pop group to be doing that Mm -hmm. um back then also in line with the like hip-hop being one of like the main styles of the music back in like the early 2010s crumping was like the main dance style that groups were doing back then so i think got seven having like the backflips and shit kind of just like took it one step further my personal opinion is and i think some fans would agree got seven like kind of set like a new standard for dancing because their choreos were like really intense because of this um i will say some people probably would argue that nct are like more challenging choreos um but nct has so many fucking more members yeah they're basically a dance troupe it is like it is just impressive how well coordinated groups with that many members are one of my personal favorite choreographies in the whole industry is 17s don't want to cry um because there's 13 members in that group and they breathe in sync like at the end when they're all standing still their shoulders move at the same pace from their breath it was it's wild <laughs> that's how you know that psychological warfare is involved <laughs> literally but um i would say that stray kids are probably like in my opinion the best dancers in the industry right now and i do think a lot of people think that of them but they've also been like really rigorously trained to be that way and jyp is like very serious about their dance groups um yeah but stray kids is unequivocally the most successful fourth gen group in k-pop and it's because they're so insanely talented um Mm -hmm. and like i said they're a group that writes and produces all of their own music so three of their members chris jisung and chengden are producers and they call themselves three racha and they make all of their music like some of their music is collaborated on by producers from the company but like a lot of their songs are just the three of them and Mm -hmm. i forget where exactly they are on the ranking but in like the whole of the k-pop industry the three of them are in the top 10 most writing credits for the entire industry like wow. their leader Chris has something like 300 plus writing credits um 
and that's for working on Stray Kids for the last six years. Yeah. Wow. And they remember Jisung, who's he's a rapper, a vocal, and a producer. Um, he's the youngest person in the top 10 for writing credits. He's 23. And he is your bias. He's my favorite. He's my boy. <laughs> he is the ace of K-pop. Okay, this is a rant I could go on for like a million years. <laughs> and uh, I love my mans. He's I love him so goddamn much. <laughs> I I have a, that's like I have the hardest time remembering the names and oh my god it's them. insane how many I know and like I, so the way I that simply I was don't have the patience the way that I was introduced to K-pop was by my dear best friend Sydney and when we were in high school I was a senior and she was a junior we became friends in gym class um because you know the two girls who do not want to participate and just want to walk the track will naturally find each other in every universe yes. And Sydney and I became friends. And the very first time I slept over her house, she was like, hey, look, if we're going to keep being friends, you need to listen to K-pop. And I said, okay, sign me up. And (laughs) she, we watched BTS videos all night and she would point to the screen and go, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Until I knew all of their names. in class. (laughs) I was literally in class. And (laughs) we were like watching at this point, BTS was doing um, like a multi-album concept that was all in like a storyline. So the music videos all related to this, like there was like time travel involved. Um, They were doing these like basically films for their music videos um, that had all these different like storylines in them it was crazy actually fun fact in their butterfly music video i think it is there is a girl character involved in the storyline and it is one of the members of itsy which is a current girl group I do, when she was I, a trainee, I know about this one she was featured in one of their music videos also uh lino from stray kids used to be a backup dancer for bts on their tours and multiple members of ATs used to be trainees at Big Hit before they moved to KQ. They were just that good. Um, but she literally would like quiz me on it. And she was like, okay, you have a week. Like, get your knowledge up. And This actually isn't so different from when I think I slept over your house for the first time. And I was like, have you ever heard of One, One Direction? Direction. <laughs> this is how all of my good friendships start is I find a friend, I get a sleepover and they say, have you been inducted into X? And I say, no, give me a new personality tonight. <laughs> yeah. Because that is true. That is how our friendship started. Have you heard of One Direction? And Sydney went, have you heard of BTS? And the rest is history. <laughs> but um, I actually had heard of k-pop in like seventh grade um there was a youtubers react video on the react channel where they had um i justine and shane dawson and tyler oakley and some (laughs) others like markiplier react to second gen k-pop groups um it was big bangs fantastic baby and um uh girls generations i got a boy I remember so vivid. I think also they had Super Junior maybe in that video. I remember these so vividly because I fell in love with Girls' Generation. But that one song, I never knew any other <laughs> song by Gigi. Um, Big Bang's Fantastic Baby is also just like iconic. But so I was aware of K-pop when Sydney got me into it. And then after 
I spent one week learning everything about BTS, then I learned groups in shorter and shorter increments. So like I did all of GOT7 in a weekend. I did EXO in like a day. Wow. She got me into ICON in like a day. EXO never really stuck for me. There are like 11 members of EXO, so it was a little bit more challenging. Um, But I got really into ICON. um, And this was kind of like when ICON was really popping off because my senior spring was when their song Love Scenario came out. And Love Scenario charted number one on the Korean music charts, Melon, for 40 days straight. I also, on another chart, they charted number one for six weeks straight, which was the longest any song had been number one in K-pop ever up until that point. I think BTS has probably beat that since then. But I really love, Love Scenario by Icon, I think, was my top song in 2018, like on Spotify. Um, So I was really into BTS. I was really into GOT7. And then GOT7 broke up. But Tragic. Um, I think also, well, I was there when Stray Kids debuted. Sydney showed me them the day the Elevator music video came out. And then, Was that an instant for you? No, I, I mean, we would watch them. I knew who all of them were. We would watch their videos. But I didn't listen to them like religiously until maybe like last year. Um, I really okay. was like just bts and got seven for a long time um i was also though listening like is some songs and new like members names and the group history for 101 17 jbj nct nct dream astro at this time blackpink had like four songs <laughs> also <laughs> so like there wasn't a wow. lot to be into twice and mamamoo were really the big girl groups in that day yeah um I'm actually very excited for Twice's comeback because it is. I, I've I've been keeping up with it. I um, love preparing for a comeback. It is such an exciting time. When they all the do so much. Dropping. They do so much promo that it's like yes. at a certain point you kind of you have to be in. Like there's no choice. <laughs> no, like I get so excited. I mean, um. Stray Kids is probably going to do a comeback sometime soon because they finished the album cycle for Rockstar um, like a month or two ago. And they put out a video at the beginning of the year, the company did, called um, Stray Kids Step Out 2024 that announced how many of everything they'd be putting out this year. And I think they're putting out two albums and a special album this year. So, yeah. it's How long do these groups – like? Because how how long do they usually last? And, like, then what happens after they're done? Like, do they just, Interesting like... Interesting you should bring that up. <laughs> I have this information prepared. <laughs> um, I have heard largely that the lifespan of a group on average is seven years. Okay. That's kind of... That is and that's, generally like, 50 albums. <laughs> it's, um, it's so much. Um, That is generally what their contract is like their first contract will be anywhere from five to seven years. So when you debut, you are locked in. Um, and then after seven years, you have to renew your contract. And a lot of times, because they have been like put through the fucking ringer, they do not renew with their company. Um, yeah. Or with boy groups, a lot of times what happens is that like the members have to go fulfill their mandatory military time. 
So they Mm -hmm. won't renew automatically. And then like when they come back, sometimes not all of them will renew. And then the group will kind of just like phase out or they'll turn into a subunit. There are groups that are still promoting together that have been together for a really long time. BTS being one of them now since they've been together since 2013. Mm -hmm. But they are on hiatus until next year while they um, complete their military time. Um, And they're a little different because they have like more control. Yeah. I mean, Stray Kids has been together for going on six years now i don't see them breaking up but a lot of groups do tend to break up before the 10-year mark um Mm -hmm. which i mean i guess is probably true of a lot of bands is that like a decade is really hard to spend together um but then when you think of i don't know i'm thinking of the pop punk bands i listened to like um mayday parade just turned 18 years old the main just turned 16 years old I don't know of any K-pop groups that have been together that long. Yeah. But also, I think a lot solo of like, artists tend to last longer. Yeah. I think also like a lot of non-K-pop, like American and like elsewhere, they switch out their members. Like like Panic at the Disco, it's really just Brendan yes. Gurry left. Well, they don't even exist anymore. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Members can leave, but because of the nature of K-pop contracts, you can't just leave whenever you want. Now, granted, yeah. some of them do break contract. I'm sure it costs a fuck ton of money. But, like, Woojin left Stray Kids. Um, trying to think of other yeah. groups that have had members just kind of, like, up and leave. I um, have. I know that Le Seraphim had a member that debuted, and then she was kicked out because she had, like, bullying allegations that were this, really extreme. This is actually quite common for members to be yeah. kicked out over um, basically anything. Um one of the members of Stray Kids was put on a six-month hiatus because someone came forward and said that he bullied them in middle school. Um, so the company put well, them I on a six-month Well, I heard that Korean bullying, like, bullying in Korea is intense. Like, I don't know any psychological torture. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I feel like if it was, like, if somebody was canceled for bullying somebody in middle school, like, like an American band, like, that would be kind of, it would be funny. Like, nobody would actually... <laughs> get canceled for that if you told i mean even when fucking liam payne was like saying that one of the members like tried to hit him i was like giggling (laughs) like yeah it's like okay a little gay fist fight who cares (laughs) (laughs) there is actually speaking of a little gay fist fight there is a (laughs) iconic story from got sevens um pre-debut days where um two of their members were fighting And in GOT7, there were multiple members who did not fluently speak Korean because they had Mark, who's American, Jackson, who's Chinese, and Bam Bam, who's Thai. And so there was a lot of communication issues early on. And there's this story from the GOT7 dorms where Mark and Bam Bam got in a fight and Mark threw his laptop at Bam Bam's head. And none of them got kicked out for that. So. No, and, like, there's jokes about this, about, like, in Stray Kids, there's a pre-debut joke about when they were both trainees about Hyunjin and Jisung getting in a fight. And Hyunjin said, hey, worry about your rapping. And Jisung went, hey, worry about your dancing. And now they're best friends. <laughs> like, this is just the nature. But there yeah. was a member of Icon was kicked out because he made a post sharing that he was going through a time. He – this was interesting. They had private Instagram – or personal Instagrams – um, the leader of Icon BI um, put out a thing saying that like he'd been going through a really hard time and that like he was really struggling with his mental health and he was like it's the point where like you know you start to consider numbing it out with other things and he got kicked out of the group because they said that it was promoting drug use Wow! for saying that he had considered 
drinking or doing drugs to numb the pain. He got kicked out of the group. I hope he's doing okay now. He's he's doing well now. Um, he owns his own uh record label, I think. Or okay. he like produces now. Um, he was featured on I thought like the Grammys or the Billboard Awards did like an international segment on commercial a couple mm-hmm. years ago and he did a solo performance. Yeah, mental health is like not a big topic of conversation in the K-pop industry and it's a really big problem. Um mm-hmm. there was an interesting anomaly that I think does speak to the industry might be getting better. Um again, particularly since BTS got big, I feel like now that they're on a worldwide stage i think Mm -hmm. the industry is having to adapt a little bit more um to like other places standards of like how musicians get treated and bts became ambassadors for like the un (laughs) back in 2019 (laughs) and they went and talked about like youth suicide rates um wow but mingi from 80s who is my bias in 80s um, took an eight-month hiatus from group promotions because he was suffering with anxiety. And he took time away from the group to, like, basically just work on his mental health. And I have never, ever, ever, ever heard of a K-pop member getting, like, mental health leave from a group and then coming back. Usually they just leave K-pop. Yeah, I think if at least two members of TWICE did that as well. Yeah. And, I mean, it is very sad. There have also been, like, multiple cases of suicide in the industry in the past few years which is very sad and it's it's always related to the mental health like the breaking down of them in the group so it is definitely not the the healthiest industry of all time um but i do think it is getting a little bit better and i think where the industry right now is is so interesting i think the industry might be teetering on going fifth gen because I think there's an interesting thing happening with um, internationalization of groups. So there have always been groups with international members. In fact, it's like Mm -hmm. a thing companies do intentionally sometimes to try to attract fans from a different country. So like they'll have a Japanese member or an Indonesian member so that they have more fans in that country. Um, Mm -hmm. Two of the members of blackpink are australian to the members of stray kids are australian um like i said with got seven multiple international members there's multiple international members in 17 and nct so what's kind of interesting about the change in the industry is that personally my opinion is that now that bts is on hiatus is kind of what has opened it up to be such a like a global free-for-all in other groups Mm -hmm. gaining so much popularity the exception being Blackpink, they were getting popular at the same time as BTS, and now they mm. are the biggest girl group in the world. Like, no competition. New Jeans has gotten even insanely... bigger than Twice. Yeah. Yeah. Globally, yes. Because okay. yeah. more people know of Blackpink, and like Jenny's solo work is so big. And now, like, Lisa's going to be on White Lotus. GC yeah. is like a Lululemon influencer. <laughs> like, they also they had a few, um, tiktok songs yes um and also blackpink did an album that had like some songs that were fully english um Mm -hmm. which is something that a lot more groups are doing now and it kind of started when bts did butter which was their first fully english song they had a full english version of mic drop um but then they did butter and permission to dance 
fully in English. And now that's becoming like a really standard thing in the industry is to do full English versions. Monsta X's whole last album was just English. But I think like any group that is being latched onto globally is like whoever's doing the best right now. It almost doesn't even matter how well you're doing in Korea anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, New Jeans like literally debuted last year and Super Shy um, and Hype Boy are just, they're bangers. They have like they six are. songs out. I like, love Attention personally. That one is my favorite of New Jeans songs. I also... I thought it was crazy that they have a song on League of Legends that's called Gods. Mm -hmm. That is a good song. That is actually how I learned about New Jeans was that came on my Discover Weekly. And I was like, who the fuck Mm -hmm. are these girls? And I was like, oh, my Mm -hmm. God, one of them is 14 years old. Yeah, they're young. And then, like, I would say that New Jeans is probably – it's between New Jeans and Red Velvet as my favorite Mm -hmm. groups. But it is weird to me to stand 14-year-olds. Like, (laughs) I think – I think – Harin or Minji is the youngest member and I think they're 16 I think she's 16 now yeah but a lot of companies are forming international groups right now um I think the biggest um one attention wise is that Hybe is having an elimination show called Dream Academy um where they recruited girls from all over the world to compete to make a fully international group that will be debuting this year um the show started in September of last year so their debut will be Mm. this year but JYP already put together a fully American girl group um partially owned by Universal Records I think called Vicha um like one of the girls is literally a blonde white girl singing in Korean that is weird (laughs) it's it's interesting I don't know how I feel about it yet I think it has potential um is she the only white girl Yes, but there's also a black girl okay. in the group. And I think okay. in Dream Academy, there's um, there's girls from like a lot more ethnic backgrounds. Um, but still, I think to my knowledge, the leader of both of these groups are girls who are either Korean or Korean American because um, they are trying to like maintain some connection. I don't know. There's a lot of talk amongst K-pop journalists of like what how far can you stray when you still qualify as a k-pop group um and it's kind of asking the questions about like what are the defining factors of this industry and like who is allowed in it and who is not um Mm. it's a very interesting time there's also a japanese girl group that is based in korea called xg and they are not identifying as j-pop or k-pop they're saying that they're like making their own genre um their fans are called alphas with a z which i think is kind of pretty fucking cool fan name um i'm really interested in them i'm curious to see where they go um some groups have also been leaving their companies and going independent which i literally never thought i would see happen um got seven their contract with jyp ended in 2020 and they did not renew their contract. Instead, they bought their entire disc. They pooled their money and bought their discography from the company and now own all of the rights to GOT7. Um, and they don't put out music together anymore, but they all but they're own making their money. work. Right. They own their work um, and they can promote together whenever they want. Um, but I also heard that Icon just bought their discography from YG to go independent um 
by independent, I mean, they went to a different management where they will have all the control, but they bought their discography, which is crazy because these are two major, major entertainment companies that have been producing idol groups for decades. And I cannot even imagine how expensive it must be to buy like seven to 10 years worth of discography. But I guess if there's six of you, then you can split the bill. Yeah. So now that I have dived in with no seeming road path, I don't think I taught anybody anything. I just talked for a while. I learned. I'm in class. I, your educational episode was certainly more streamlined and purposeful. Mine was me (laughs) gabbing for an hour and a half, but that's what I like to do. That's my hobby. Um, We're We're podcasters after all. We're podcasters after all. We're going to end the episode with a little bit of trivia. Um, It's going to be kind of in the format of like two truths and a lie or like which of these three does not belong. Mm -hmm. Um, I just put together a few. I told Carly, I've been thinking of these for weeks. This is what (laughs) I do when I'm on walks is I play this game with myself. (laughs) Um, But I put together just like a few because I don't want it to go on for too long. And also... It would just be about the same groups over and over and over and over again because I only care about a few groups. And I didn't want them all to be about ATs because ATs is <laughs> I didn't I barely talked about ATs this episode, which is wild. I didn't even get into the part of them being pirates and their <laughs> whole cinematic universe. That's it could be its own episode, but I love ATs so much. Do not do not mistake. <laughs> um, okay. The first question is. Some of these are about K-pop and some of these are about me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the first question is, who amongst these three is not my bias? Okay. Is it J-Hope from BTS, Jenny from Blackpink, or Mingi from 80s? I want to say Jenny. That's correct. Yeah. Who is your bias in Blackpink? My bias in Blackpink is Rosé. Me too. I, I love I her. her the best. I love her solo stuff. This is another Tory-based question. Okay. Which of these three Got 7 songs is my favorite Got 7 song? Okay. Teenager, Na Na Na, or Never Ever? God, I have no idea. Um, that Never Ever, Ever. Never ever. Never ever is not my favorite Got Seven song. Damn. My favorite Got Seven song is Teenager. There I was, don't know what any of those songs sound like. There was a multiple month period, my senior year of high school, where I would come home from school every single day and watch the Got Seven Teenager Dance Practice video three or four times in a row. <laughs> because I love this dance. To this day, I love this dance practice video. It is just so satisfying to watch. It's it's just one of my favorite K-pop songs ever. But mm. the dance practice of it, fucking Bam Bam just looks so good in it. And I, it, I think that is truly what drives me is the specific yeah. shirt he's wearing in this <laughs> dance practice. But Na 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 is Got Seven's solo work from when they left their company. And it's a very good song. Um... This next question is, which of these members is not in NCT? And I have chosen strategically um, non-Korean names because I really didn't feel like it would be fair to just name off three random (laughs) standard names and have you try to remember all three of them. 
Um, so I've chosen some of the more unique names from the industry. And okay. which of these members is not an NCT? Is it 10, Vernon, or Win-Win? <laughs> Wait, Vernon? I'm going to go with Vernon just because I love that. <laughs> it's true. Vernon okay, is cool. not an NCT. Vernon is in 17. <laughs> Okay, Vernon. <laughs> that is a real member of the K-pop industry. Well, um, a similarly, <laughs> a, li- a similarly themed question, which might be the funniest one I could think of. Um, which of these groups does not have a member named Mark? Okay. <laughs> is it NCT, GOT7, or Monsta X? Is it NCT? Incorrect. NCT has K-pop's most famous Mark, in fact, oh, Mark no. Lee, whose stage name I'm is sorry, just Mark. Mark. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. Um, Mark Lee is an insanely popular idol. He, I think, is probably the oh, favorite member fuck. of NCT. Yeah, he also up. might be the leader. I don't really know because NCT has so many fucking members. Um, Got Seven has Mark Tuan, who is my bias. Monsta X does not have a Mark in the group. They need to add a mark. They need to get themselves a mark. <sighs> they lost a Wanho, which was a really sad day for K-pop when their leader oh. left the group. Um, and you know what they have done since Wanho left? They have become the sluttiest group in the industry. <laughs> they have a song called I Wanna Love You. And the chorus lyrics are, I wanna love you. You know what I mean. I can't say that on the radio. <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> k-pop has gotten slutty in the past few years yeah. that is something i should have mentioned in my evaluation of today's industry is that they're talking about things that they were never allowed to talk about before 17 has a song called fuck my life <laughs> they like were not even allowed Dang. to swear back like five years ago mm. and now we have fucking That's bouncy funny. which well- isn't Bouncy. about sex question yeah. mark yeah sure sure bouncy's about writing a sick beat with your bros <laughs> Bouncy, bouncy. Um, my final question is about a group greeting a lot of groups in k-pop i actually read that this is not really a thing so much anymore like new jeans doesn't have one usually when they would introduce themselves um they would give a greeting that they would all say in unison so like at the beginning of a song? No, at the beginning of like an interview or the beginning okay. of a video, not a, for the songs. So each group will have like a greeting that they say all in unison when they introduce themselves as like a formal thing. So which of these is not a K-pop greeting? Okay. Is it come and get it, blank, we are, blank, blank, in your area, or... Yeah. <laughs> Nine makes one team. We are blank. The first one. Come and get it. Yeah. That is not true. Damn. That is Got Seven's intro. It's come and get it. Got Seven. We are Got Seven. <laughs> so it's the last one that's not. One. Yes. Um, so I do know the Blackpink in your area. Yeah. Blackpink in your area. That was our easy one. Um, nine makes one team is incorrect. ATs's introduction is eight makes one team. We are ATs. I know Stace Stacy is Stacy Girls. It's going down. I love Stacy. <laughs> I love a good group intro. I think they were like more fun back in the day. They were more elaborate. Yeah. They're kind of not doing them now as much. 
I love Got Sevens. I love Come and Get It. Got Seven. Mm-hmm. We are Got Seven. And like mm-hmm. they say it a specific way where they only say certain parts in unison. Yeah. It is it is most entertaining to me. Well, <sighs> thank you for the education. There was so much to cover if I was covering the whole industry. And I didn't even talk about the fandoms. I only talked about the groups. Well, we'll more to be we'll said. We'll just have to do another one. We'll just have to do another <laughs> one. Um, well, thank you for entertaining my niche interest this week. And next week, next week, we'll, or not next week, but next time, we'll have another fandom deep dive that is a surprise, but neither of us are actually part of the fandom. So I'm it'll be fun. so excited. I think we should do it a little drunk because I think it'll be more entertaining <laughs> that way. Well, I need to finish consuming the content for this fandom and I have to do it drunk because. Yeah. So just know the next episode is going to be so unserious, (laughs) so (laughs) ill-informed. And that's what you get when you come to X Tumblr Girls. Sometimes you get a well-researched episode on art and social media and blurring the lines of the art and the viewer. Sometimes you get Tori hyper fixating on K-pop for two hours and then next week you get what you get. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what happens. Thank you so much for listening. We're so excited to have you here and hope you tune in again next time. Meanwhile, you can follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at xtumblergirlspod. We, of course, have a Tumblr. You can find us there at xpodcastgirls.tumblr.com. And we kindly ask that if you're enjoying the pod to give us a rate or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it helps us connect with the rest of the world's Tumblr girls. Come join, be our bestie, and we will see you soon. Bye. Bye.